Welcome, movie fans, here on Anatomy of Movie on Popcorn Talk. We're dissecting a movie about the Amazon, released by Amazon. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Anatomy of a Movie. Uh, a movie that we've been wanting to do for quite a bit, but unfortunately, um, we had to wait until it had a bigger release, so I'm happy for that. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And uh, out of out of the... St- well, not out of the States, I guess. He's in Hawaii, so he's in the States, but out of <laughs> the uh, con- continental U.S., Dimitri Panos is not here, so instead... Uh, you've seen her once or twice, or a couple of times, certainly, here. Um, the last movie you did was BFG, correct? Am I wrong? I know, I can't remember. No, I've done a few Oh, we have Carolyn Carolyn Faraday. Anyway, hello. I'm, I didn't realize I was representing Dimitri today. I feel like there's well, a big... Well, you're representing you. Big movie shoes to gone. fill. Yes. But thank you. Hello. We did um, Nocturnal Animals together. I we did do Nocturnal Animals. We excluded oh. you from that. Yeah. I see. There yeah, we go. were like, nah, he's got nothing for us on that the, one. That was the girl show on that Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to talk about this movie, The Lost City of Z, um, you know, historical piece uh, based on uh, based on a nonfiction book that, that we'll sort of go into. But as we always do, a couple of things. Number one, uh, if you're a first-time listener, it is going to be spoiler-filled, so if you don't mind, then pay, pay attention. Uh, if you do mind, stop us, go see the movie, then come back to us. Secondly, uh, we'll post our notes as part of the description. You can download them so that way you guys can uh, follow along with all of our research. Um, as we always do, let's start with overall impressions. And uh, I always say uh, females first. Usually <laughs> it goes to Marissa, but I'll kick it off to you. Since, oh, my uh, goodness. Sort of not newer to the panel, but... Since I'm representing Dimitri hiatus. now. <laughs> Back from hiatus. <laughs> Since I'm available. Um, well, I... Um, I, first of all, feel this urge to call it the Lost City of Zed quite a lot, obviously, because <laughs> we say Z differently to you. But, um, you know, that's my, uh, that's my early call. Um, it was a, it's kind of bladder-busting, this movie. Bladder-busting. It's a bladder-buster. It's an exceptionally long movie, and if you can make it out of that movie theatre and it just be a one-wee film, then I'm amazed at your bladder. That's all I would say. Like, okay. it was it was an exceptional bladder buster. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. I'm at about the kind of, I don't know, I'm a tough marker. Seven and a half out of ten. Like, there's so much I liked about um, this kind of swashbuckling adventurer. Mm-hmm. And then there were parts I found a little repetitive, um, which I guess, like... I'll just repeat later and, and almost be like Groundhog Day. Um, so it's sort of the, the the Lost City of Z meets Groundhog Day a couple of times. But I mean, I, overall, I thought it was an absolute delight and lovely performances throughout, and a and a really nice lead man turn from Charlie Hunnam, like you know, yeah. unexpectedly in in many ways, like you know, a, a new person to have as like carrying a film on on that scale and um he's a brit he started out on a on a show called bite a grove which is like a teen uh, like a kids like it would be on at like four o'clock in the afternoon post school like a soap opera and a lot of young actors started out there and it's something that like they either start out in that and then they eventually work in a bank and then everyone's like, hey, did you know George and Accounts used to be on Biker Grove? Oh, or, or they do, like, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, uh, Biker Grove, which is set in Newcastle, hence the Biker Grove, because yeah, he's, he's a strong. Yeah, he's got a he's yeah. a he's a Newcastle boy. So, <laughs> um, normally, like yeah. So, so he's done super well. I love having having a Brit on the panel. <laughs> so you're like, I don't know what she said, <laughs> but she said I'm so stuck at Bladderbuster. <laughs> Bladderbuster. Uh, Marissa, what about you? This will be a fun show. I'm I'm excited. Um, I really I, I enjoyed this movie more than I thought I was going to be because I went in knowing it was about like this exploration of of the jungle, but I'm like, how how are they going to show it? And I thought visually it looked beautiful. For and I think the the pacing could have like picked it up a little bit, but I think you know back in that time, back in nineteen nineteens, you know that's when people's attention span lasted more than two hours. So yeah, I can understand that. Um, visually, I thought it was beautiful. Um, I thought the acting and performances, which we'll get into, were great from everybody, and like I felt like they all had good strong moments. And Charlie Hunnam, who is an actor who I personally don't really care for, I really liked him in this film. So. Uh, Overall, I did. I didn't really know anything about the Lost City of Z, and now walking out of the film, I was like, "Oh, I'm kind of interested in you know this past civilization of what happened back then." And kind of wanted to learn more about it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie overall, um, and even though I'm gonna kind of lay out a couple knocks against it, um, overall I really did enjoy it, and I thought it had a lot of stuff to offer and was done really well. But I think in a world where we have, um, you know, the mummy and various action movies of that nature with, you know, Indiana Jones, um, I think, you know, it suffered because of that pacing, right? Furthermore, um, I, I felt it, you know, in hindsight, it had a lot to juggle. It had his obsession. It had the politics of, of the various things. And then if the whole sort of point at the end was um, not redemption, but but coming to terms with Jack and, and him, Percy, you know, and, and them venturing out, I felt, uh, you know, they were also trying to juggle family and perhaps by trying to do all three, um, maybe just one suffered just because they, you know, they had to split it just by that sheer nature. And I think the biggest knock, and unfortunately this is history, but um, we never get to really see the city. Right? Like, if I'm yeah. watching a movie called The Lost City of Z, again, I, I understand it. You can't really rewrite history, but you're in some sense expecting to see yeah, it something. Does, right. It does stay lost. And you do, you know, you do expect in movie land to, to finally get there, don't you? I mean, yeah, that's, right. that's what we're all expecting is at the end to have this final reveal, and he's, you know, vindicated you know in in all of his belief and then mm. so then you're left with this moment going oh okay. yeah <laughs> sure you're, you're left with the letter you know leading to believe that you have to believe him that he made it so you're like oh i guess he did the compass <laughs> that's it. the like, compass it's just like yeah. the acceptance of even though we don't see it you have to accept it that it was actually true yeah and i think you know, I mean, it's got a lot of great reviews from critics, but I'm surprised in that sense because, yeah, as you pointed out, like in Movie Land, that's the expectation that we've come to see. Like, we want to see the Ark in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> we want to see the 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 the. It'd be like Lord of the Rings, and they never get there. <laughs> yeah, right. Just be like, the ring. Well, even worse, just the never fact that they never there. even had the ring. Yeah. <laughs> as right. if they just talked about the ring for hours on end and yeah. never just never and quite just never get there. So yeah, I mean, but like you say, it's it's a true story, and no, um, and there were all sorts of um, parts, obviously, that you fictionalize in that 
situation anyway. I think he actually... God, I was there. By the time he kind of went on his final trip, I was like, yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Let's just get it. Let's have a montage sequence now. And um, But I think he went something like 23 times. And like in the movie, he goes what, three or four times or something. And then you're like, yeah, okay, he's off again. But like it, it, in real life, I mean, <laughs> it'd be great if you were just like there five days later going, oh, I don't know, it's like the 18th time. This is a hypothetical, but um, Darren Aronofsky does movies for me really well in terms of a man obsessed. And this, to mm. me, is a ma- movie uh, about a man obsessed. Mm. Um, and, it, I, I, again, I think fantastic job by uh, James Gray. Don't mean to knock him. And we'll talk about all the good stuff. But do you think Darren Aronofsky would have gone sort of more that route of, of just finding his finding you know Percy's obsession and being able to execute I, well, I felt like his obsession was really well represented in there, and that I was I felt very engaged in that and and on board with kind of understanding the the man that he was and what drove him and and what um, kept him going with, with that, and also that you've then got to anchor that with like he you know also being a family man and and not totally being selfish with it because you've got to like him. It's a, it's a hard it's hard to watch someone mm-hmm. do something that's so exceptionally selfish in terms of his family life and it, and did cause problems with his son and yet still really really like that character and understand his choices and I think they trod that line exceptionally well and I know James Gray was sort of saying I don't know why they sent me this script I wasn't the man for the job what in my background made you think I was um, yeah. so I think he was as surprised as anyone but. Um, I didn't feel that that I didn't feel that that was missed. Whether whether Darren Aronofsky, I'm sure he would have had a different vision and told it a different way. Would it have been better? So yeah, it would have been different. Um, let's take a quick step back, Marissa. Give us because um, much like them trying to find the Lost City of Z, <laughs> they've been trying to find a way to make this movie for quite some time. Yeah, it was interesting. The development took a long time for this film. So James Gray actually got the unpublished version of the book before it was even published yet. Um, back in 2008, and the book was published in 2009. So he got an early you know, draft of just the book and the story, and he read it, and he thought it was really interesting. And the funny thing is, um, like the developers, Brad Pitt, also mm. you know, like was one of the people who, who sent this book to him. And uh, he he read so James Gray read the the story and he was immediately enthralled and he's like yeah I have to put this in motion but during development things change and stuff and they had different actors uh, originally you know part of this it was first supposed to be Brad Pitt and then he had to, he fell out and then it was going to be Benedict Cumberbatch but his wife got pregnant and in during and didn't work up with the scheduling because the, around the time where his wife would have had the baby he would have been in the middle of the the amazon forest so he's like i can't do it so and that just like messed a lot of the the scheduling and so they had to like recast and um they finally got charlie hunnam on board Um, it's interesting because you do spend the the, i mean a good part of that film thinking i can see brad pitt in this role and obviously had a the, the producer role but he, I, but Brad Pitt from 20 years ago, like he's he's too old to play that role now, in my humble opinion. You'd have to Benjamin Button the hell out of him yeah. because you need someone who you believe is sort of young and... and, and adventurous. Enough. Adventurous enough, like, to kind of go out there and... and like I think, Troy Brad Pitt could have done it. Right, yeah. It definitely needs to, to be. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It needs to be Brad film. Pitt, but the old Brad Pitt. Um, 
Cumberbatch, I think, would have been a charming choice for that um, role. Like, he, I could really see him playing that role, like, a, a, a billion percent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. just think he would... And he would have been... Uh, yeah, he would have just been a superb choice. Uh, clearly was a superb choice. Um, but, I mean, I would watch him stand still for two hours... Oh, for to sure. be honest with you, like, and he'd still be the most charismatic thing. <laughs> He's just fabulous at everything he does, isn't he? So, but I could really see him in in that very. Uh, I'd love to see him take on the the um, uh, that board of fuddy duddies in the in the movie and kind <laughs> of go in there and do that. I wonder if he'd be slightly too posh because you sort of think he's. He's quite establishment, Benedict Cumberbatch. That's the only thing I would say. Like, Charlie Hunnam's just, like, a little bit more edgy and a little bit a little bit more of a, a, a beefcake than, mm-hmm. your, than your Cumberbatch. Yeah. Stuckier um, build. Yeah, whereas, like, Cumberbatch is, you know, he's very posh. <laughs> very <laughs> well, posh. Very posh. Um, yeah, I, I think mm. ultimately casting actually ended up playing well. I mean, I could see Pitt. I could I could see Benedict. A little bit less so. Like I, um, I, I could my my ranking is Pitt, then Charlie, then Cumberbatch mm-hmm. in terms of who probably could have done it best. Um, but in terms of that, you, you know, um, one of the, one of the aspects of the movie that I really enjoyed. Was the fact that we were and like? There's so many World War Two era movies. World that, War One. Well, no, huh. no, I'm saying that's what I enjoyed okay. about it was the fact that um, we sort of go before because yeah. everyone's sort of, you know, I, for whatever reason, everyone just fascinates over World War Two in that era. Whereas mm-hmm. you forget, like, there's a lot of great stuff within just this time span itself. Yeah. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that side of it and seeing the politics at that time. You know, they they made several references to like the Archduke Ferdinand, mm-hmm. um, which obviously many attribute to the, the start of the Great War and so forth. But 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 I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, yeah. and you also saw some of the politics back then, e- even more so. And you, you saw how things have changed since when they in the courtroom where the, there was the moment where like that's my husband, I should be down there. And you're like men allowed. And like in today's society, you probably would let women down there, you know, with your husband. Um, so yeah, I liked how they. I, I felt like they covered the time period very well, even down to the wardrobe and um, you know the customs back then. Yeah, I like it. I like a good World War One movie generally because you don't because it's not as technologically advanced. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like on the man and on the character of the man. And there was this kind of noble. I'm going to go and fight for my. I mean, and, and it was such a savage, awful, terrible. War, like uh, like I know what war is. So how do you say? Oh, this one was worse. But I mean, like it was. It, there was so much, um, you know, just senseless running into, you know, and, and blooded fields. Like it was. It was a really raw way of fighting a a war. Whereas you know, look at now where they're fought out of mm-hmm. containers in the middle of the desert by drones. Like it's times have changed. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Um, I want to go to the notion that I found sort of fascinating and that really sort of kicked it off. And um, in terms of the motive of of Percy, it started with the idea of of getting rank, right? Um, and that was really his driving force in, in a lot of this. And you know, I, I, I like that notion because then Jack, in some sense, throws that back in Percy's face 
and says like the, you're a failure and then the two of them doing it together he finally accomplishes you know he gets he, he gets the um the royal um the thing. G- G- yeah he gets the, he gets the main medal right uh so it was it was a nice sentiment in that way and to me it really showed like that's not really what he was truly after and I was trying to figure out okay well what was his motive um so I want to get from your perspective like how how you felt that was used and did his motive change throughout or was it always just different even though he said it was one thing I think the motive changed throughout I mean I, you saw the first one which just happened you know coincidentally where he thought he found something the second one he was like really motivated to go and then the third it was more so the family convinced him to go because he was already like mentally done he's like you know that's when i was younger that was fine but it was his son and his wife that like encouraged him to go once again just to you know for that self-fulfillment so yeah i think his character and motives changed throughout every single time he went to to the jungle i feel like you got that um need for him to do something honorable and obviously you get that flash of his family's past his father was a drunk and you know he fought against this guy ruining the family name and he wants to redeem it and so you've got that battle that he sort of wants to redeem his family name and have this honorable um journey and and kind of honorable process what i really think comes through and um is so charming throughout the movie is his total integrity like with what he does with his treatment towards his family and his treatment towards the fellow men on his expedition like he has total integrity when he goes in um to the um royal geographic society when he goes in there that he's still has total integrity when he's in that difficult moment with Murray and you know just those moments of total integrity where he will not compromise on um the welfare of the people around him and and of the the truth of the situation and I think that really makes you get behind him and behind his quest mm-hmm. and it also makes you really believe in his quest it makes you believe like if he's got integrity about all of these other things then you believe in his lost city of Z said yeah. yeah and um to that i i think they pulled that off wonderfully because obviously in, in many other instances you could be like well it, it, it could have become self-sabotage well he you know he wants to save these people so that way it gives him an excuse not to have found the city um which you're right i don't think he ever does that with that intention in, in terms of self-sabotage um and that you see um, Murray being hoisted by his own petard when you see someone there that is going a different way and saying, hey, don't do it that way. I'm more traditional. And, and he's he's got this more traditional approach that you see that someone else couldn't have done it and didn't do it and couldn't kind of do that journey and, and didn't have that same integrity and was, I mean, yeah, was ho- hoisted by his own petard. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I've got hoisted my zone petard and bladder buster on today's show. I feel like I should I should have uh, had some sort of bet before the show about phrases I could get on. I haven't, yeah, by I've, the way. But I would like to say aardvark and armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a silly question, but, you know, worth asking. I mean, in, 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 is it still sort of... Do, do people still have a sense of judgment based on family history in Britain? Not like that, no. No, I think that that's a very dated concept, certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would think at that time, um, 
your family name and uh, you know I could see that that being very relevant yeah. but obviously you know you look through 2017 glasses and saying who does it matter who his dad was like yeah. it sounds ridiculous but um yeah I think certainly at that time that would have been reflected yeah um I don't know. I don't speak for all Brits. Um, <laughs> As I'll tell you, can, we, can we talk about um, uh, Robert Pattinson? Sure. Yeah. Because I was sitting next to a girlfriend of mine when I went to see this, and halfway through the movie, she whispered in my ear, my God, I can't get over how much that guy looks like an old Robert Pattinson. <laughs> and I went, that is Robert Pattinson. She went, oh, shut up. <laughs> like, I mean, the whole time I was like, hey, Robert Pattinson looks really different in this movie and he's almost unrecognisable. But clearly yeah. he was completely unrecognisable. I think he did a great job. And, um, you, uh, like, I recognise him from, you know, his other movies and stuff, but I don't, I didn't really see him so much for his acting capabilities more than his looks, which sounds terrible. No. But um, I, I think he did a really good job in, in this film because uh, he was that friend and confidant that was, like, truly loyal to um yeah but you ne- were never sure of that early on you were yeah, like who's this not. dude like what's his deal but like i really like that he was that true f- loyal friend to percy um throughout all these expeditions and even at the end they had uh, you know when he was convincing him to try to go once more it's like no um but i i really liked him and he he like he added his moments and um hit, uh, i thought he was just really he was that that good confidant that you can like take with you. Yeah, he's to like carry an anchor. The film. Like yeah. he would kind of just be like the the voice of reason a little bit. You've mm-hmm. got this like anchor of not going the full crazy, and that friend that just goes, "Yeah, have you considered?" Right. <laughs> he was the consistent through line yeah. type of friend throughout the film. And he this lovely understated performance, slightly awkward. You're kind of wondering what this mm-hmm. odd goofball is doing. On this expedition, but it, but it really works as a team, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does, and you know, um, it's kind of nice in that way. You had mentioned uh, that he almost took twenty three expeditions, you know, as part of the real story. And so, obviously, when you make the movie, you kind of have to pick and choose. Okay, well, how are we going to do this, and can we combine certain things? Um, and to a degree, unless you know, I doubt that. You have to do a lot of fair digging, but at the same time, how much digging can you really do in terms of the characters, right, and their dialogue? And so <clears throat> I like that they were able to build this character out, um, you know, in terms of how historically accurate he is. I'm not sure. Um, but I like that, you know, and I think they, they combined the best. Yeah, he needed points. someone to talk to, didn't he, either way? Like, otherwise you've got, like, Tom Hanks in Castaway kind of going <laughs> through the jungle. Like, you'd yeah. still need someone to talk to. So I don't know whether he was... Uh, how real was he? <laughs> I don't how know. real not, was he? But but it, but even to um, oh, Henry your, your er, earlier point, um, I love the fact that the turn towards the end when he does say like, "I'm staying behind," um, which obviously shows kind of both their arcs of, well, um, you know, he uh, Percy's come so far now he's gotten his son to be obsessed with it, which. I want to talk about because ultimately I don't think it's the son not being that obsessed. He's just obsessed with reconnecting with his father more yeah. than anything. Yeah, sure. Um, and then obviously him being like, no, I now that I have a family, not a chance in hell I'm going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And that notion of legacy, I think, with, with him. And like I, th- I think that Percy really liked the idea of passing the mantle and kind of passing that on to his son. Although, you know, like he approached that with 
caution. Hey, weird, I don't know if you noticed this weird quirk early on, but so Sienna Miller is like, is she, she's pregnant, isn't she, when he first goes off, right? She's pregnant yes. every single I mean, time. She's like basically, yeah, she's like the most fertile woman who's ever been in a movie. But, um, so she's pregnant. And then when they come back, like I, like, I think the child is really old, like, he's about three. And then, but they say that he's only been away for, like, nine months. So it's really, I got really confused on the timeline of, like, how long he'd been away and what was going on. Because I was like, huh, like, like I know how long a baby takes to cook. And, like, <laughs> if she knew she was pregnant and started to say, like, six months, and then, like, the baby should be, like, if he's, like, three months at this stage, it should not be walking around. Um, it really annoyed me. Just saying. I mean, timeline-wise, you know, part of it, I think they did them. They, they tried to do themselves a service, but I think it could have been a disservice because, you know, the the R, RGS, as I'll call them, they were talking about, like, hey, if you do this, you might never come back. It's going to be years of your life. And then we find out it's not as long as we anticipated. Yeah, he was, like, nine months. By the way, R, the reason I have to I have to be careful with that because RGS was the name of my old school. Oh, really? And so, like, I'm, when I, I keep going to say RGS and thinking, ah! <laughs> anyway, well, I, I think also yes, uh, there was that line. I remember that, but I, I think every time he went back and he was, you know, back in Europe uh, or you know wherever he was when he, he was with his family, I think there was a lot of time jumps within, um, like when he'd have a meeting with the RGS or if he was in the courtyard or wherever. I think there were like time jumps within because there were times where. There, there was one scene like the the kid was like say three years old, and then the next scene he's like five, seven, you know, yeah. running around. So I think every time he went back home, there were also time lapses. Yeah, I just feel like with, with his expeditions, used I wanted to get an idea of particularly that first one, like how long was he there? Like I was like, I don't know if this is two weeks or like three months or kind of longer than that. Like you end up kind of not knowing. How, yeah. how long it is, and I, I think that's like an important important thing. Like, how long are you away for? And I think it's also they they would drop multiple lines. Like every time he'd go back to the Amazon, years have passed. Sometimes it'd be two years, sometimes it'd be three. You know, so I, I think we can because they're condensing so much in these three expeditions that we see. I think it's just like you can yeah. assume that I'm we're like a time nerd. Five I like, to seven. I want like years. exact timings, and I also want like maps. <laughs> I just thought, like, where exactly on a map is this? And well, can like you just Indiana tell me Jones how exactly long this took? You know? Um, I, I, want, I just wanted more stats. <laughs> I think part of the reason they did it was to um, just showcase the, the, the fact that his obsession was ongoing. That is, mm-hmm. regardless of time, he was always going to be obsessed with it. And they gave us what they felt, like, the, the, the major beats, but I, I don't think they wanted to overdo it if they didn't have to. Sure. Um, but I want to go back to the notion of um, of Jack choosing to come. Mm. Because uh, it seemed like you guys perhaps agreed with me or at least found it interesting. So what's your guys' perspective on the fact that, you know, Jack wanted to do this? I think, I mean, I think it like carries from the second trip back home to the to the third trip, you know, going away. Because um, we saw that slow progression of the sun 
when he's a kid and like angry at his father for always being gone abandonment and all that but you saw it slowly progress to like he's just proud of his father for doing something sure. that he just truly believes in this mission um so and then once he's old and realizes like how how important it is to even just have like a purpose in life i think that's why he was trying to connect with his father with therefore and i'm glad it built the that family connection because yeah you could look at it in a negative way like you were always gone but this is now my time to be with you so um i like the fact that jack came around because he it didn't seem like percy always left his family just because he didn't want to it's like sometimes it's because he needed to yeah he was that's why he was an explorer yeah um I thought it was interesting because they had that scene where Sienna Miller says, can I come with you? And he was just like, no! (laughs) Like, just no. (laughs) I think that's a bad idea. Uh, And that's his general just... And for a moment, I thought, oh my goodness, they're actually going to do this with her going with him. Like, because it was Mm -hmm. Sienna Miller and she's a name actress, I thought maybe this is maybe she is going to be in this more and they're going to do that. And I was quite relieved that what happened was quite sensible but then that's, for a while I thought what was that scene about? And then when you see Jack go, you're like, oh I understand that it's about him not just like gratuitously saying, hey I want everyone to come with me. Like it was something that he took very seriously and he took their safety very seriously and he took the notion of someone going with him very seriously. Um, You've got to feel for Sienna Miller's character that you know her husband was gone a lot of their marriage and then uh, she eventually lost her her husband and son to this obsession Obsession. yeah I mean you know like but she also egged them on man's reach must she's very supportive what can you do though like like if someone's obsessed like that like you can't you gotta do it. I think she was. She truly loved her husband, and she, like she truly believed in him. And she was a very progressive woman for that time. Yeah, you know, because women back then were way more oppressed than they were than they are now. And I thought she she was such a strong, independent woman even back then, yeah. but still um, capable of supporting her her husband through all this. I, I thought she was. Um, she was great to watch. I, I love Sienna Miller. She's, she's a great. I great got actress. the feeling with with Percy's character that you couldn't have taken that away from him. Like he was going to go and do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So the choices are support him, facilitate it. If you love that man and you and you love his drive, or not be part of it. Like those are the only two options that were really available to her. There was the option wasn't there for her to say we can have a relationship and do not do this. Like the options were, I I support you through doing this, or we will not be in. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I think it would have meant them not being together because I think he would have still gone if yeah. she'd have put her foot down. Um, what an amazing performance from Tom Holland. He he just continues, and he's such an exciting young actor to watch yeah. because you know he's he's come through obviously landed spider-man and then you think that's such a mainstream role and then he pulls off things like this where he's just exceptional and um i loved when he got um the the role in spider-man uh, robert downey jr was talking about him because it was the, the it was before spider-man actually what's the one where he made his first appearance uh, yeah, captain america in like in, yeah he made his like first appearance and robert downey jr was absolutely raving about what a great actor he is um and he, I mean, he's just, he's 19 years old, Tom Holland. And he's yeah, he exceptional. could grow a mustache. 
Yeah, Couldn't grow a moustache. I know. <laughs> um, uh, weirdly, it's a slightly showbizy story, but I know Tom's dad, um, and really? I was with him the day that he got Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, his dad, his dad is a stand-up comic, and we were doing a stand. Like I was doing, I was on the same show as him, and he. I know that may sound extraordinary, <laughs> so given how hilarious I'm not being right now, um, but. Um, he tells this sort of lovely story about his son landing the gig and, you know, the, the whole time throughout the whole... Like, firstly, Dominic said to him, Hey, I'm the famous one in this family. <laughs> but he's the youngest of four sons, so he's a very grounded individual from a lovely family. Um, and he landed this role really with Dom kind of saying to him the whole time, don't worry, you won't get it. Like, just go to the audition, you won't get it. And he just keeps getting these, like, amazing roles. I mean, Tom but he's, Holland. He's the real great. deal. Yeah, yeah. no, he, he's great, and he's great, and he conducts himself well in every interview I've seen him. Uh, the first movie I saw Tom Holland, or, like, really recognized him, was The Impossible, where, like, yeah. I bawled my eyes out yeah. ridiculously, like, throughout the entire film. Um, and I watched it twice. I don't know why. Uh, but he, he's such a great actor. I and mean, that was when he was younger. Yeah. Um, so, like, to see, I didn't expect him to be in this film. No, I didn't. He stood, for being a, a young guy, but very experienced, um, he stood very well right next to Charlie Hunnam and stood his yeah. own ground and was in the Amazon as well. So. It's so exciting to watch him and think where his career will be in five, ten years because I, he just... He's just so solid and gracious with it, like, and he's yeah. just a joy to have on screen. I think. Oh, yeah. I agree. I, he was he did a fantastic job, and I think um, Charlie did a great job too of of giving him that respect, you know, through his character. Um, I think. I mean, because Charlie's got a touch of the the Tom Hardys. Like, you can't <laughs> fail to to compare those two actors. He's kind of like Tom Hardy, but without the crazy eyes. You're like Tom <laughs> Hardy has a darkness to him that Charlie Hunnam, Hunnam doesn't have. <laughs> but I feel like they they're a little bit interchangeable. And like sometimes, and and I, I feel sorry for Charlie Hunnam in this. He can almost be slightly a poor man's Tom Hardy. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, we really like Tom Hardy. He's not available. Who you got? Like, we can't <laughs> afford him. Because um, he's sort of Tom Hardy, but just without that. I don't know. Tom Hardy's got... Yeah. He's got a... I don't know. He's got a depth, Tom Hardy, hasn't he? That's, that's freaky. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an interesting. Sometimes when he goes into his accent, that's the most interesting part. Who, who Tom? Which accent? Well, the I'll call it the Revenant accent. Okay. Oh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. I need to listen back to that again. Is it Dodge? Is it super no, it's just, it, I don't. I can't describe it. It's just very slow, and it almost sounds like he's got marbles in his mouth. Huh. Here's what I'm going to leave you for death. You see. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah. Whole Nothing different. like his Bane boys. That's for sure. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, going back to Sienna Miller real fast. Yeah. Uh, you guys kind of mentioned it, but um, both James and Sienna worked very closely together to have that full depth. Um, because one of Sienna's sort of, um, you know, perturbances or whatever, that I don't, I don't, I'm blanking on the word, but historically she's been a very passive character. Right, sure. female wise, and so you, you guys pointed out that she's a strong female character, a very progressive in this time, and that's what they worked towards was to have it be that way, so that way she didn't just end up being, you know, wallpaper. This is probably 
like the the nicest the best my favorite role that i've seen sienna miller do <laughs> and like I, I i sometimes find her a little bit meh in stuff just a bit there's nothing meh. Meh. About Just it. a bit. Met. Well, I know that. Yeah, but we're yeah. looking at. We're talking about different things. <laughs> well, I think her character. She's a beautiful this, woman, yeah. for sure. I think her character in this film was so likable. There was really nothing <coughs> that you disliked about this. Yeah, character. I love so the spirit. Every time you see her, you're just rooting for her, and yeah. she stood her own ground, even when you know Percy wasn't there. When she she addressed herself to you know her friends and family. When she talked to the man at the end, the. Um, and like that, that strong belief that she had in her husband, like she was very strong on her own, and she didn't need to stand by a man. To yeah, shine. I think yeah, it's such a spirited role and such a great character. And so, in some ways, I thought I, perhaps this is the role that Sienna Miller should always like. Perhaps she hasn't had the roles before that really showcase that side of her as a as an actor. Um, so she's great in Burnt. In which one? Burnt. Oh no, I haven't seen that. That's one with them. Hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, Bradley Someone Cooper. Else. Oh. Bradley Cooper. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, isn't that rubbish though? <laughs> the movie was okay, but her <laughs> performance was great. That. Go see Birds. She was great in that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I want to. Well, I definitely want to talk about the ending. Um. But what was your guys' favorite speech from from Percy throughout? Because he had so many, right? That you guys already pointed right. out um, a couple of them. But but even um, when he's addressing the men at uh, right before battle during the Great War, oh, right. before his eyesight goes away and then comes back sure. and all that, like he's he's got so many of these great moments. Um, which one stood out to you the most? I think for me personally was like after he came back after the first expedition and he's talking to all the RSG RGS RGS <laughs> RGS guys. Um, in that courtroom, when like he had that loud, boisterous voice, and he was so impassioned in that speech, it was saying like, "I have found the lost city of Zed. I just need to go back and all that." I was like, "Wow, what a performance!" Because he's addressing everyone, and he, like people are mocking him at this time, and he's just like soaking it in, laughing. And uh, but to to stand that ground and have such a great, compelling, enthusiastic yeah. speech to Super go dynamic. back yeah. because you you saw the progression of even the men in that courtroom they were so doubtful and against him and then at the end of his speech they were all clapping and cheering him on for his next expedition I was like that that was a great performance to just to, to listen to to watch yeah, to have a whole courtroom change their opinion whoa. Yeah, there's a great career for him in law, I think. If, if oh, yeah. he wasn't an explorer, he'd be like... He could be a great litigator. He'd be great in Legally Blonde. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just turn in the courtroom. Unfortunately, I don't think he knows anything about perms. <laughs> um, I, I love that mixture of... Like I, I mentioned the integrity earlier, and I, and I mentioned this moment earlier where he is addressing the RGS so fearlessly, where he's where he's dealing with that Murray situation, and then he comes back with like a great punch of like, yeah, like I'll apologize, and you're like, what? <laughs> Don't! And then he goes, for la la la, you know, like it goes up Yeah, exactly, and and sort of won't. <laughs> won't let those people down. I just thought that was a lovely moment of um, courage and integrity. And it also was dealt with with, like, a, a neat amount of humour. Like, like that was a, it was a, there was a warmth to that. And there was that great 
irreverence towards this real establishment and he stuck as we do in the UK two fingers up at them and just <laughs> and and sort of was like screw you like this is not going to be that way and I'm not I'm not going to play your game <laughs> but he did it so respectful too because yeah. it wasn't it didn't get to the point where he was cursing or just irreverent he just he was like and I officially resigned good day to you sir yeah. and then he walked out yeah it's very yep. dignified <laughs> like I would if I was put in the same situation I'd do this exact same thing he did yeah um, I think he handled it well Excellent. Well, I do want to talk about the ending, but before we talk about the ending, yes. I think something that could have helped these explorers would have been Blue Apron. You see, Blue Apron is a food delivery service. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? Oh You're, my goodness, oh, yeah. they needed it on that canoe. Especially when they lost all the rations. Like, what food Imagine did they just have? coming in and be like, we Exactly. Got it. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. See? you get fre- Not only do you get food, it's fresh food. So it definitely would have, could have helped. It would have really the helped. They'd have never needed that dead pig. They wouldn't have had to hunt, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Blue Apron is our sponsor for this show. Um, we appreciate them, we, we support them. And and, um, Those so, cannibals in the jungle, they benefit from it as well. No more <laughs> eating human remains. That's right. Um, Blue Apron, speaking of their freshness, they have partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the U.S., and therefore everything you get is so fresh. Um, everything's 99% within the continental U.S. Um and so, okay, what is it really? Well, the nice part is, as I mentioned, it, they deliver ingredients right to your doorstep. And what they do, one of the great parts is every time you go shopping, you want to make something, you get you know, X amount of this, X amount of this, and you're left with so much leftovers, and you never know what the hell to do with the leftover. This, you get exactly what you need. You get a nice little recipe card, and you're able to make it. Speaking of, uh, we've been talking a lot about family. What better to uh, bond a family than, than cooking? Sure. Um, statistics show that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. So you're healthier, you're stronger as a family, and guess what? All this uh, is less than $10 per person for every delicious meal. So you think going out is um, is costly or is, can be cheap. Guess what? This can be just as cheap. Um, also, one of the nice parts is you get to you get to... Customize it for your dietary needs. Are you vegetarian? You can have that. Do you like pork? Do you like chicken? Do you like beef? All these various things um, come into play. You get to select what you ultimately want. Some featured meals for this month, we've got beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice. Uh, We've got baked spinach and egg flatbread with sautéed asparagus and lemon. Yeah, um, good. This one might be for, you. for three that. cheese, and Marissa loves her cheese. I love cheese and baby broccoli with tomato. You don't love tomato, but um, <laughs> what do you do with a pizza? Like, what do you do? You don't have you don't have the like tomato, tomato, but tomato. you have yeah. the cheese. <laughs> I don't like the tomato-ish. So once again, it's affordable. There's variety in foods. Um, it's flexible. You. It's obviously very easy. And you're guaranteed Charlie Hummond would have liked it in the jungle. He would. Now, yeah. here's the kicker, right? So we've talked about how great they are. Here's what is in it really for you as our listeners. Um, you can get three meals for free. What? If you use the promo code um, blueapron.com slash anatomy. So the, the promo code is anatomy. 
um, you get three free meals that includes slightly free shipping. Unfor- it's slightly unfortunate that's the promo code after that. Why is that? I don't know if I want to be eating any anatomy. <laughs> well, that's the name because of our of show. Anatomy, but we eat. made anatomy of a movie. So yes. There you go. Blue Apron. A better way to cook certainly would have helped our explorers. Yeah, yeah. I would have done. They could have done with that. Food. I would have loved it if like Blue Apron had just calmed down the river, <laughs> got their canoe like this. Hey, local cannibals, got it. Well, thanks Here to Amazon's go. drones. It my might noodles. Just, it might just drop on in there. Why not? Oh, yeah. Today's day and age we're living in. Who knows? True. Yeah, they would find it in no time. They'd be, have lovely supplies. Thanks, Blue Apron. All right. but speak- I did, um, We. I'm just going to tell a story about me because... <laughs> Why not? And um, but the Lost City Z, I did the um, the Machu Picchu, and you do the trail. Oh, did mm-hmm. you? Yeah, and they have these amazing porters who carry everything. It's just like a four day long trek, and the food they would knock up in the middle of nowhere that they've had to be like carrying for days. Somewhat like someone had a birthday about two days in, and they cooked the most amazing cake. Well, I was like, where are you baking this? Like, there's obviously no electricity. Blue apron. Like, it's amazing. They they. they knocked up this amazing birthday cake for this part like That's with awesome. the ma- most amazing food anyway and they did it all in flip-flops <laughs> i mean like trekking along this thing you're like someone's interested in going what how, how, what, how did you how did you what, booked what, it went it off sounds awesome yeah do it yeah. anyway it wasn't. It was once kind of like the Lost City of Z. Like a lot of that reminded me of of doing oh, that trek. So I think that's why it. I liked the movie yeah. so much. I was like, ah, oh, this is like being there. Absolutely. Well, um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the ending because I found it. Obviously, they, they get kidnapped by the natives there, but there's something. You know, there, there's that line that says, you know, we need to. We we need to kind of let their spirits be or fuse their spirits. I forget the exact line, but it's about spirits, uh, and I found it very interesting. And again, we're never le- really left with any conclusion apart from their taking away to what we feel like is their death. I feel like is their death. Sure. Yeah. And also that's guesswork. Like that whole f- part of where they captured by. Natives were they in this situation? Were they drugged and then eaten? Like, I, I feel like that's a reasonable conclusion given the evidence they've got. Um, you know, there's no bones, there's no like, you know, like you're like, ah, oh, I imagine he's soup. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of guesswork. That final scene is guesswork, or well, it's not the final scene, but their final right. moments mm-hmm. are guesswork. Um, and I suppose you're comforted by the notion that they were together. Like I was, I was like, "What would you do in that situation? You can't run. Like, where would you go? You get a spear in your back. So you can't really run from it." And then they kind of give them that potion, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I think at that point you're just like, give me the drugs, <laughs> whatevs. Gotta slip, gotta pee pee nine eyes now, <laughs> and oh man." I think there there was that line that like I didn't really. I mean, I was afraid for their life, but at the end when they were being carried off in like a sacrifice official way um i i was i didn't really think that they were going to kill them because there was the particular line that percy says like whatever happens is in our fate i was like well his fate is to find this place so he has to find it um but like i thought it was beautiful though it it was i thought that was him just comforting his son and say like because he was trying to be the father in that situation and be like don't panic and i bet like inside he was like 
It's <laughs> like, ah, oh, great. My destiny die. sucks. <laughs> like, He's just like, Jess, it's your destiny, son. Don't worry. It's, like, it's my third time back. Now I bet he was die. like, Sienna's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to know, like, what comfort do you take from that moment as a viewer? I, th- I found it slightly dissatisfactory, to be honest with you. But, I mean, also... Um, a, a fairly decent guess at, at what went on. You know, like, there was a mystery, really. Like, so what happened to him? What? Why didn't they come back? Did they find it? Did they... Did they get... At what point did they get killed? Maybe they just starved to death. Like, you don't know what happened. Um, it feels like a reasonable... Like, if you keep taking exceptional risk... Like the 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 risk to you increases, right? Well, I, I think it's also like they kind of left it ambiguous and open ended to for the audience because we really don't know what happened yeah. back in Lost City of Z. So I think it left all the same questions that we were we still have, you know. Um, Pop and, from the compass, but they, yeah. They left it up to the imagination that's like, oh, this is what probably happened. But I think that's what's the fun part of the movie magic. As a watcher who watched a two and a half hour long movie, you're like, can we at least see it? <laughs> yeah, I think that part. Is dissatisfactory, but having the comfort of seeing the the like you said the compass, like okay, I guess they did make it. So in, in a way, I was satisfied. Part of me fact. wanted an atonement ending. Sure. And sorry, guys, if you don't want to hear the spoiler of atonement, tune out for like the oh. next minute. <laughs> Where at least like okay, what happened in actuality is not that happy, but maybe Sienna Miller. Um, she could have like made up some story and was like, "This is what happened. Here's the compass. They made it. Woohoo!" And we see like a glimpse of them like Happy. running up the steps to the city. But she believed that. I think she believed that. And I can't think of anything in life that's more frustrating than losing someone that you love and not getting that moment of knowing what happened and not getting a moment of of burial where you get mm-hmm. to say goodbye and have that conclusion where it's just open-ended like at what point do you call it a week or a month or a year or 10 years down the line at what point do you decide that you're done yeah Yeah, like then obviously then she stopped looking yes (laughs) thanks (laughs) hey then she dies (laughs) but imagine searching like not knowing to until the day that you die like Mm -hmm. And her son too, not just her husband. Her husband and son. Yeah, it's like the the, the family is left behind. Well, that's why that line from from uh, Percy to the um, the younger son when he says like, "Hey, you've got an equal mission, if not more important. You're the man now." Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's yeah. the only. He man. also had no experience to go into there, like none at all. And like, so essentially, it was like a, an enormous babysitting trip. But he. I think Percy had this such like this extraordinary belief that he was invincible and that eventually is going to in those circumstances you know that's all very well and good but the reality of the situation is a very hostile territory well did he I mean I I feel like part of him you know he tried to put on a brave face to the public but the fact that it was just him and him and his son he was kind of like nobody wants to join me yeah, because he, yeah. but he still had that invincibility then. Like, he had it early on as a younger man. He had it, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was in... <clears throat> I'm going to cough now. 
he had it when he was in with the RGS. He had it when he was giving that speech at the front of the RGS. Like the whole time is this total belief of his invincibility. Like they're like, I'm the man that can do this. And mm. and yeah, that gets you a long way. Look at Donald Trump. It gets you a long way. That like that kind of extreme self belief. Right. And you know, we talked about it. You know, the different motivations. The second time he went there to prove a point. Sure. And then the third time is because the family encouraged him. He, the third time was literally just out of his own passion. So it's not like it, yeah, it would have been beneficial if more people joined him, but it was more his self fulfilling, selfish reasons why he wanted to go the third time. Well, I guess here's how I would, like if I want to go to Mount Everest, I can do it, and my passion is great. However, I still probably need a few people around me. Mm-hmm. And also, when That's people go to say. Mount Everest, they basically just do base camp. They don't go to the peak. So it's kind of like watching a movie called Let's Climb Mount Everest <laughs> and then just watching them get to base camp and being like, okay. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, by the way, we did, uh, we did Anatomy for Everest, the movie. Mm. Oh, not, not the ride. <laughs> not the ride. <laughs> Let's do an anatomy for the ride. Um, all right, why don't we shift gears and go into the production side of things. Um, and one of my favorite sort of nuggets uh, is the fact that James Gray wrote the Francis Ford Coppola and asked him for advice on shooting in the jungle because obviously mm. Coppola did Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, he got a two-word response, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> That That's it. amazing. Um, obviously, he didn't uh, he didn't take the advice. No. Which, by the way, apparently neither did Coppola because he got that same advice from Roger Corman when Coppola <laughs> was set to go into the jungle. Uh, it says like James Gray was really hands on and he cooked pasta every night for the cast and crew. I guess it it must have helped. Maybe not. For the, maybe the cast weren't so thrilled, <laughs> but for the sorry, maybe the crew weren't so thrilled, but for the cast. To kind of feel in the moment and feel the character, to have an element of kind of risk and hardship while they were filming, to kind of stay in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I gotta give the the cast and crew props for filming in such you know difficult terrain um, because I was listening to a bunch of their interviews and they said how difficult of a shoot it was, like physically grueling it was. There because they filmed in the middle of rain season, it would rain every single day at a certain time. They're like to the point where like like clockwork at three thirty. It would just start downpouring rain, but there there was a, a shoot. Um, there, there there was a night where it just like downpoured for hours, and the river would just rise like by feet oh, in God. just a few minutes and stuff. So uh, because the river was going, you know, it was rising. The water was rushing so fast that they couldn't even get onto the boats to go down the river. It was too dangerous. They had to trek all their luggage. For three hours, um, back to where they were staying, the the location. So it was like difficult filming for them, and even when the water was, you know, really high, they were dealing with black caimans, black caiman alligators, or no, they're actually crocodiles. Sorry, Um, but it was just they're literally they're literally surrounded by their their environment. They're like black caimans are actually more vicious than crocodiles. They're a more vicious version of crocodiles. Um, and then even Charlie Hunnam got a beer, uh, a beetle um, crawled into his ear and bit his eardrum. <coughs> it, it was a difficult oh. shoot for everybody, but they did it. It's like so they were in scale, like Revenant, 
or Lost of the Ozu. I was thinking just <laughs> like Revenant, like it's you know the, the similar kind of uh, difficulties of you know that's an easy that's it's a good comparison to make of like that the right punishing. Uh, outdoor elements affecting a, a thing. Suffer for your art. <laughs> it's interesting that they uh, re because they recreated the Battle of the Somme, and then I didn't realise that they did that like just outside Belfast in Ireland. Which um, I guess you know it's, a, it's quite a traumatic and difficult thing to try and, and recreate. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I was surprised by that. But I guess nice lush. They got to shoot it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. maybe they could have just shot it in the Somme. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, overall, quick shoot schedule. 55 days. Yeah, well, would you want to stay in the jungle any longer? <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't blame them. Do you know the boat captain got malaria and two people in the AD department got dengue? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they were literally in the Amazon. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not the easiest place to be in. So I applaud all of them, you know, risking their health and their well-being to be down there to film this movie. Oh, they, the all got, they get well rewarded. Yeah. Uh, well... Again, I mean, it's it's different than the Revenant. Like the Revenant, come on! I mean, it got so much praise. Where I really want that yeah. for this movie. But yeah, they I, knew they were gunning for an Oscar with yeah. doing the Revenant. Whereas this, they're like, we're gunning to get it in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think it's doing well and things like that. But yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I feel a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because this has got love, really nice reviews from critics, and like it's a film. I think we all enjoyed but I feel like it's a film like if you were chatting with your friends and said have you seen Lost City and Z like it's not getting that recognition and it's not I don't know what it is about that and, I don't, and like is it the name is it the the, the lead like why does it feel a bit off radar um, well I'd, also I mean in fairness if you're going to make comparisons to the uh, the Revenant that that was like actually released during Oscar season and had Leonardo DiCaprio they were gunning for those sure. Academy Awards where this one's released in in April and April May of 2017 it's not in that Oscar time and a lot of people aren't watching this type of movie for that type of buzz yeah yeah and I, you know I, I don't think it has the same marketing around it I mean just the fact that like I mean with with the revenant you could just be like hey look what Leonardo DiCaprio puts himself through whereas this like you could say the same thing but they're not advertising it that way I think it's a you know, it's not that the Revenant was a familiar story, but it's it's sort of a standalone piece, and and, and in this sense, like no one really necessarily knows the history. And again, it's tough to market because if you're like even in the trailer, maybe it would be great. Like you kind of expect that moment where you find the Lost City of Z, but you cut in the trailer so you don't actually see it. But again, because the movie doesn't have that moment, you can't even include something like that in the trailer. Um, so I think it's it's a little bit more difficult to market of what this movie fully is, just because yeah. it, you know it's not the Mummy, it's not Indiana Jones, it's not you know. Yeah, you're right. Like maybe the call it because I like I love the name The Lost Cities. Yeah, I think I think that's a nice that makes it feel quite classic. Yeah. I feel like it's like a classic adventure tale, but it doesn't fully reflect that actually what it is is it's a movie about the journey and it's not about the lost city. Like it's mm-hmm. a you know it's a movie about the journey of getting there, but I mean, they never get there. Yeah, I mean if, if you I don't know if it would help them or not, but put on the poster like uh, the chase is better than the catch. Is it though? 
Well, certainly for this, but it better be. If you're gonna watch a movie, because you're never gonna catch anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so. true. Yeah, I like life's life's about the journey. Yeah. Other Not bumpers, the other bumper stickers that we can do on half the, the fun is getting there. There you uh, go. The more than half the fun. <laughs> and three hours of the fun. Yeah, so the fun is just watching them get there <laughs> and not even saying it. Um, I, overall, I liked the look of the film. This film is actually filmed at thirty-five millimeter, which you wouldn't expect, especially in the jungle. Like, why are you put yourself through an added stress level? Uh, but uh, apparently, they did at the beginning of filming they did three different camera test shoots um they used uh what, what was it I, I have it here they used um a red a red camera and alexa camera and then a 35 kodak camera and they found and they did a blind test of what what looked better and they picked the kodak 35 millimeter and uh, I, I believe it was like the producers like oh that's great but that's gonna cost us 50 to 70 thousand more dollars because it's on film um, but they still went with it. And to be fair, it, like when you're shooting, when you're shooting extreme cold or something along this nature, where you have just natural elements, I would actually recommend shooting on film. To be honest, I can I can see that. Um, but yeah, because of the you know the harsh weather and extreme that that also messed with the editing as well. Because a lot of times when they got the film reels, because of the high heat intensity, it would destroy a lot of the film. That they, that they just shot. So, um, it, film was an added complication to it, but it looked gorgeous. Yeah, it does look really good. I, I do think digital would have been even worse. Yeah. Like, it, it, Warren Miller, his movies, his, his, his snowboarding and skiing documentaries, like, they're all pretty much still filmed on film because, yeah, try taking anything electronic up to Mount Everest. With all that humidity. Yeah, all that cold. Yeah. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. So, hmm. I think in the end, a right choice. Um, I actually like in terms of the movie. Um, I, in terms of the ending itself, I thought, yeah, there could have been moments that could have been sped up a little bit, but for the most part, it doesn't have as much fat as you would think for for the length that it is. No, because I th- I feel like when we saw the moments of actual dialogue, it was so compelling and riveting just listening to whoever speaking. So I didn't feel like it dragged on that pace. I felt like you were saying at the beginning, like it did get repetitive with the same beats over and over again. It's like, okay, he goes to the jungle. He goes through this. He sees this thing. And now he goes back home with his family. There's the family scene. Now he talks to the RGS. And then you repeat the whole cycle. Sure, over. yeah. It's definitely got a, a touch of the groundhogs. Um, And, you know, like it is, like you say, like I I enjoyed all of those scenes. I wasn't there sitting there thinking, what's the purpose of this? this But it just is just quite long and repetitive. It's just long. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely not a ruthless person who's edited this. Like it's charming and lovely. But I feel like they've left it as their this is how we want it to look and not gone okay now let's be ruthless and get it down to 90 minutes well, like I, which you do get some directors are like my movies are going to be 90 minutes and that's it and well, they will really tighten up yeah um, the, the editors John Axelrod and Lee Hagen who was the assistant 
um, editor on this. The, there was actually a good interview with them talking about the the earlier cuts of this. There, there was the editor's cut and then their version. Like the first few cuts were like four hours sure. over, like four hours long, and then they had to, of course whittle it down. But we actually have a fun photo that they that they posted um, about the editing. They, they filmed, they captured it all. Well, they edited it all on Avid, and they were talking about their editing process and um, all the sound. Um, temp sound temp songs and and sound effects that they threw into it and usually we don't show this kind of photo during anatomy but like phil you're an editor you enjoy editing and um but you can see the their the editing process of how so if you're tuning into itunes definitely check out the editing picture on our video and i thought it was very interesting yeah, I mean... Uh, look at his little eyes light <laughs> up. Look! Slightly dreamy. That's how I look at pictures of I Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, obviously it's got a lot of video tracks, a lot of audio tracks and things of that nature. Um, I've, you know, never just, seen, I've never seen you light up like <laughs> you have now, to be honest with you. Not even when you were talking about Sienna Miller earlier. Oh, so Don't like say a little that. Look of love. You can't say anything. that to Sienna. Do you know Sienna. what I mean? You know, yeah. like in cartoons where their eyes get like little right, hearts like, and they just ooh. go dreamy. That's what put Sienna right Miller there. in the same room as me. I swear to God, if that up. picture was next to a picture of Sienna Miller, you'd be like, "Look at the timeline now." <laughs> <laughs> If they bring up a picture of Sienna Miller from Layer Cake, (laughs) you'll see eyes light up. I bet I won't see that look of total love. Yeah, but, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, John Axelrod actually worked with um, James uh, Gray before uh, um, in his (coughs) previous film. So, of course, they already have that working relationship. But the thing is, uh, because I I believe it was Axelrod who uh, came in later throughout the, the editing process. Um, it was the assistant, Lee Hagen, who had to assemble all the footage together while they were in, you know, when they filmed in uh, Ireland and then the jungle, They the assistant had to assemble everything and then Axelrod actually had to edit it. So, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work, especially yeah. working with film. That's quite the task. It is. Um, you know, and, and, you know, typically... You kind of pulled this quote, Marissa, too, but but the fact that they were the way they sort of set it up. Um, generally, when you edit a movie, you set it up into reels, so you don't actually edit the full movie. Um, you break it down into sort of more usable chunks. Um, and, you know, they had about seven reels for this, quote unquote. Yeah. I do, because it well, does have that lovely, classic, real, like, it feels like a really elegant, lovely movie. Yeah. It does. It's, I love it's, the it, color it, temperature. It, it, the mm. color is absolutely wonderful. Um, the costuming, the style, sure. everything, all, all, all you know. Just even, <laughs> just even just the, the fact that she's turning off the candles. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? Because obviously they don't have a light switch. So I found that fun. Yeah, there's some really charming, really charming, lovely moments. Yeah, and anyway, just a picture of Sienna Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Time all times. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, so Marissa, you want to talk about the music? You have a lot on the music. Um, yeah, so we had uh, Christopher Spellman who um, composed the music. He co- recently collaborated with Gray on his last two features, The Immigrant and Two Lovers. And the soundtrack's already out for those who want to listen to it. But he has, Gray has said, um, well, I'm sorry, uh, Spillman has said about Gray that he has a very specific music that he wants to put into all of his films. And he does, it, he does so much research ahead of time that they actually didn't put temp music 
in this movie. So it was all um, scored afterwards. And okay. then, um, you know, going a little bit back to the, the sound design, they purposely put the left, center, right um, monitors for this film to, to get that the 5.1 sound that, that you get in this film. And, and you know what? I, it's, it's, I do like that side of it because what it does tell me also is when you're editing, the fact that the scenes can stand on their own without music. Because everyone just, the, one of the first things is, let me lay down some music. And then they start editing to that. And of course it's going to be better. It's got music. And you're like, yeah, this is awesome. But you don't really know until you can watch it without the music and be like, well, this is a piece of shit. Yeah, you want that right. compelling moment where it's like, am I making a music video yeah. that's just really long? Yeah. Yeah, it it sounded great the the music because you you definitely got it in the moments where they were like going down the river and being attacked by whatever natives that were there, and but also it sounded amazing too with you know when, and now learning that they put it in left center right to get that that full surround sound mm. effect compared to the regular stereo which is only you know two sides, um, you felt like you were actually in the jungle. Mm. That's right. I don't know, my friend whispering in my ear quite a lot of it. Like that <laughs> a- additional moment of sound. Mm-hmm. Left, centre, right, and left ear. <laughs> Just behind. There you go. Um, so in terms of... One of the interesting parts was that it's been tough to find uh, the budget for this movie, which I imagine... I mean, if I had to guess on a conservative estimate, like it's probably around $30 million at the least. I mean, you feel like the stuff in the jungle is going to have been expensive. I don't feel like it's got a high talent spend compared to a lot of movies. So, like, you save a bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, you do, but, but yeah, you still... Again, just cost... Like, when you go back into that time period... <laughs> I'm just going to ask Brad Pitt. Hold on, I'll call him. <laughs> How much did it cost? But also, you know, just filming on real... It's, uh, film itself yeah. is expensive, let alone the, the whole... Yeah. All, all the rest of the production design. Like, trekking it. all those people through the jungle. My goodness. I imagine <laughs> they didn't do that for free. No. no. Um, and think of all the pasta that they had to make. <laughs> right? Well, that's cheap. That was not... <laughs> um... But, you know, I mean, this movie's had quite a build-up. It was at the New York Film Festival. Um, it was at the Berlin Film Festival, the Boston Film Festival. So it's it's been having this film festival run, and now it's, you know, um, we, like I said, at the top of the show, we were originally going to do it, but they were only showing it in basically two locations within L.A., and now they've expanded far beyond that. And so I, ho- I hope it continues to expand. Yeah, it's like a grower, isn't it? Whereas like yeah. sometimes there's so much anticipation for a movie and they come in and every, you see it straight away and you get those big box office opening weekends. Whereas this is like a, it's like a slow burner. Yeah. Like people like, I, which I, I kind of hope it will. Like I think it's a, I, it's a very nice way to spend an evening watching this movie. Like it's a, it's... You come away feeling quite, yeah, you're in in fact two days. But it's, you know, it's a rewarding movie to come away from. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting tale. I, I I generally love a true life story. Like that, that's a little, that's a Mm -hmm. thing for me. Um, and you know, I think, I think you do come away thinking I had a, I had a rewarding evening. You do. And my bladder hurts. Those are the two things. <laughs> well, luckily for me, I had no problem going to the bathroom. Well, I, I, well he's a man. Don't like so. to nip out, though, during a movie in yeah, case I miss stuff. I am amazing at knowing what parts are going to be like, okay. But you don't know because you've missed it. <laughs> and then I kept thinking that the film was about to end. 
as well. Oh, because there's a few moments in it where you think, oh, it's all right, they're building up for the end now. <laughs> and then Tom is like, well, it'll just be five minutes, surely, because it's been like two hours. And then and then it just sort of doesn't. And even when you're like, oh, he's dying, and then you're like, oh, let's get, it'll just be like a little wrap up now. And then you're like, oh, it's like another half an hour. A bit like, oh, no, he's going to the jungle again. You know, we yeah. have some time. I was like, oh, don't do that. I'm absolutely busted, mate. <laughs> Um, well, uh, we mentioned- sorry, I know you don't need to know about my urinary habits. I've overshared. Not for I the would first suggest- time. This is why I don't come on often. <laughs> Just an oversharer. I am, uh, like I said, I'm a great predictor of when to go. Um, <laughs> anyway, eighty percent, eighty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So obviously, very, high. very, very high score yeah. there. Uh, and by the way, a lot of like Hollywood Reporter, a rare piece of contemporary classic cinema, as you've been pointing out. Um, from the rap, Velocity of Z feels like a clear artistic advance for Gray, who proves himself here as one of our finest and most distinctive living filmmakers. Um, so a lot of great It's nice that they praise. pointed out that he's living. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I feel like so hey, lot. James Gray, well, well done on being alive! <laughs> that review. Hey, listen. We've had a lot of great directors that aren't alive. Finally yeah, crafty. Well, yeah, but they're not making movies currently. Um, writing for Variety, a film crafted, elegantly shot, sharply sincere movie that's more absorbing than powerful. It is absorbing. I would like thought provoking, definitely. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's not a big hitter. It's just a nice absorbing. Yeah, I don't always want to be blown away. Like I don't always want to come away and be like, oh, like I'm mm. I'm happy in a comfort zone. Like it's. <laughs> You're comforted that that they were just eating at the end of the movie. Yeah. They were just there. Yeah, I was really comfortable that they were just eating at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for them to find it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Any Can final I... thoughts before we wrap it on up? Marissa, why don't we start with you Overall, this time? I thought this, um, it, it was visually s- stunning to watch, especially what they go through, and then, you know, learning all the research afterwards. I, I applaud them for, yeah, for everything that they it. went through <laughs> to, to pull off such a, an amazing feat. It, it's an interesting story that I want to learn more about the Lost City Z. What happened? And it was like, the first thing I did when I got back. Yeah, after seeing it, I was like, tell me more about this guy! It's compelling enough that you can actually believe that this guy was so enthralled to keep going back to figure sure. out more answers. So, like, I understand the the appeal to what he was doing. Um, and overall, like, I think it's just a good fun and not really fun but i mean like it's an adventurous movie that other people need to know yeah i want to go find the city yeah let's do it let's do it let's do it let's get let's go get a couple of burritos in a backpack and hit the road why not group outing we're off to find the lost city of z do you think we get insured um (laughs) i think it is gonna be like everything what insurance where are you going life insurance The, the lost city of z (laughs) <laughs> just imagine that cool um it is it is swashbuckling it is elegant and uh, it's charming um i think as i said earlier i think tom holland is a charm in it and um just a lovely turn from him so he's my he's my joy from that really um and I, and and that it's changed how much i like sienna miller yeah. I didn't dislike her. That sounds like I disliked her. I just felt meh about her. 
Okay. And now I'm like, I loved her. I loved that role. I loved that character because I love a good feisty woman because I'm yeah. so low key and <laughs> <laughs> held back myself and repressed. Really, I, that <laughs> um, I enjoyed the movie. Obviously, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, when we go to the Amazon, we'll just say we're going to Brazil. That's how we'll get sure. insured. We're sure. just going on vacation, hitting a couple of beaches, maybe seeing some rivers. Sure, I'm that type that. of thing. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I do think it's just the technique of this movie overall, in addition to the story, um, is just so fantastic. Um, and and I and I applaud it for take, having the bravery for a movie like this to be made. I applaud Amazon for really getting it out there. Um, and Brad Pitt's plan B to to continue making movies. You know, they brought us Twelve Years a Slave and tons of other great movies, but. Um, we're just saying, you know what? We're going to make a great movie, no matter. Yeah, what. making interesting movies. Yeah, not falling into that um, trap. Who was I watching? Oh, it was Warren Beatty. I was listening to an interview with Warren Beatty mm. saying, "Okay, well, why aren't why is everything sequels now? Because because things like this don't get made now. Like this is new. It's new talent. Like it's <laughs> it's not Lost City of Z two. Like why is everything yeah. sequels? And he was saying because people have so much choice and uh, that they before they will set foot in a cinema, they want to know what they're going to get. Which is probably why this is a bit of a slow burner because there's like people need to know what they're going to get like a little bit." And the marketing hasn't been out there, so you're waiting for a friend to be like, I've seen it, you should go. Yeah, and then you're like, okay. The yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Just adding a bit of Warren Beatty info. Who was well, expecting that this show? <laughs> certainly not I. Well, there you have it. We're uh, a raving review from all of us here. Therefore, if you stuck around this long and you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> go see the freaking movie. <laughs> Yeah, and also, what's wrong with you watching a, a, an after show about a movie you haven't seen yet? You know what? You'd be surprised at our fans. Enough um, of them yeah. do it. Um, again, once again, <laughs> blueapron.com slash anatomy will get you three free meals to try. Nom, That's nom, free nom. shipping as well, so you don't have to just go to the Amazon to enjoy this offering. Uh, <laughs> thank you, as always. In the meantime, where can people correspond with you um, I'm on Twitter at Caroline Faraday that's with an E and then an A and on Instagram it's Caroline underscore Faraday I know what a lot there you go Marissa you can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV and follow us here at the Popcorn Talk um, check out our past anatomies we have so many of them um, as I said just for, for adventure we have um, Everest and tons of other ones by the way um, we've got tons of other great ones coming up um, we will be doing Spider-Man Homecoming, so another Tom awesome. Holland enjoyable go. film, uh, and so many others. So definitely check us out. Um, and for me, uh, just go to philsvitek.com. Thank you guys as always. Please rate, please comment, let us know your opinion. That's what makes this show fun is when you guys also participate. Um, and we'll be back next time with Guardians of the Galaxy. Bye. Oh, and real fast for Dimitri, we're gonna do a watch along for for the first Alien. He would be he would hate me if I didn't mention that to people. So um, uh, May sixteenth. I that heard he already hates you. <laughs> May sixteenth is when we're gonna do a watch along for the for original Alien. Alien. So check oh, that out. I love that, and that's a long movie too. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye.
producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.